0: You're listening to the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast, a show for pharmacists, healthcare providers who have answered the call to practicing on purpose. Now, here's your host, internationally recognized HIV pharmacist, author, speaker, patient advocate, and president of MishRx Pharmacist Consulting Services, and your conscious pharmacist, Michelle Sherman. You're listening. To the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: This is Michelle Sherman, president of MishRx Pharmacist Consulting Services and the host of the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast, one of the many podcasts on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled to um, have a guest on our show today who has been on two of our other podcasts recently who's right on the forefront of what's happening, things going on, Um, Dr. Christina Madison, the public health pharmacist. She has joined us today to give us the latest 411 on the novel coronavirus. Welcome back to the show, um, Christina.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, There's all this hype going on in the news and everywhere that everybody's panic-stricken about this um, coronavirus that they say originated out of Wuhan, um, China. Um, Can you shed some light on what's going on and tell us where the virus came from and which countries are impacted?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, obviously this is still an evolving story and every day we get updates and and more news about what's happening as it relates to where the virus is uh, globally. Uh, But just to confirm what you stated earlier, the virus was uh, originally identified in 2019, so the end of 2019. Um, And it's what we call a zoonotic virus, which means that it made the leap from animals to humans. And then uh, we saw sustained human to human transmission. And that's really when we started to become a little bit more concerned. So the thought process is that that leap from animals to humans happened in a seafood market in Wuhan, China, which is in Hubei province. And that uh, these markets, they're called wet markets, Um, they maybe don't utilize the most cleanliest of techniques and because there's a lot of mingling of different types of breeds and animals, uh, they think that that's maybe why the virus was able to sort of uh, flourish in that environment Uh, And then after we saw the first cases of people with severe respiratory illness, um, which was categorized with difficulty breathing um, as the hallmark sign in addition to, uh, you know, the runny nose and the fever, uh, they, they started thinking, okay, maybe this is something different and something novel. So as you know, coronavirus is actually very common. It's what causes the common cold. But in this case, it's different because it's genetically different from what we've seen in the past. And I think that's what's making people so uh, afraid is because we don't have a vaccine for it. There's technically no uh, official treatment for it. Uh, even though there has been some success with uh, antivirals that were used for influenza in some cases of individuals who've been hospitalized. So that is promising. But uh, again, because it is new, um, it's about 85% similar to what we saw with SARS, which was also something that we saw which was uh, concerning out of China um, a few years ago. Uh, we we are at the point right now where we haven't even seen the peak of the virus yet. But when we look at it in comparison to something like influenza, we haven't even scratched the surface. So hopefully by the end of this podcast, uh, we will uh, make sure that our listeners know that our risk if you're currently living in the United States is still uh, very low.
1: Excellent. So have have there been cases in the United States? And how many are there, and especially you know, looking at our states of California, and Nevada, and where are these cases in the U.S. coming from?
2: Yeah. So as of right now, we've had a total of eleven cases, and that's been pretty steady for the last couple days. And part of that is because being in the United States, we have excellent public health infrastructure. So as soon as someone was identified, they were appropriately put into respiratory isolations. Um, A contact investigation was done to identify anyone else who'd come in contact with them. And so uh, because of that, we've really done an excellent job of of really staving off the the transmission of the virus. So of those 11 cases, uh, nine of those people had recently traveled to the endemic area, which was in Wuhan, China, and then uh, repatriated back to the United States. And of those, uh, the other two, those were the ones that were in close contact with those individuals that had recently traveled to the endemic area. So we only have had two cases of sustained human-to-human transmission after travel. So only two of those 11 cases were somebody that came in contact with uh, a traveler. So I I feel like in that case, we've we've done a pretty good job of really um, honing in in the, the transmission rate. Um, so as far as locations, we've seen um, cases in both um, southern and northern California, uh, Arizona, uh, Washington State, Illinois, and now Massachusetts. Um, and then the case in Illinois, um, where we saw the the sustained human to human transmission, it was uh, an individual who. Uh, came back from Wuhan and unfortunately was um, able to transmit that to their spouse. And then we also saw another case of sustained human-to-human transmission um, from somebody who recently traveled uh, and gave it to um, uh, someone that was a close contact in California. So that's where the cases are currently in the United States. Um, Here in Nevada, we had a little bit of a of a scare because we had somebody who had uh, fairly recently traveled, but it had been about a month since they had been to the endemic area. And that person um, had a laboratory isolate sent to the CDC and um, was actually confirmed to be negative. And that happened last week. And that was somebody who lived here in Clark County. And as of right now, we don't have anyone else that's being uh, looked at as a suspected case.
1: Oh, that's that's excellent. And what, what, what I find interesting, um interesting is you know the world today in the 21st century is is really like one global country or, or, or city it's like a small entity that you know something could happen where you could just isolate it in a small place and then people get infected or, or whatever and then they hop on a plane and go globally they spread out everywhere so you know, it's 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 easier to transmit these these viruses globally because of like air travel. And I'd seen on the news last week that several U.S. airlines had suspended um, air travel um, to 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 the area in China. Is that still the case? Or
2: yeah, so as I mentioned before,
1: the incubation
2: period uh, is thought to be about fourteen days. So as of right now, um, we have seen uh, several commercial airlines suspending travel to China, as well as the fact that the uh, global travel advisory is that Uh, It's at what we call a a level four, which means do not travel. And that's a temporary precaution, um, again, to try to stop the spread of the virus because it is rapidly spreading around the globe, as we can see. But we know that a lion's share of the cases are still in China and mostly in Asia. So um, all but, I believe, uh, one of the cases that we've seen of individuals who have passed away from the virus have all been in China, and the other individual that one person that did not pass away in China, he actually had traveled recently from China. he was a Chinese citizen and had traveled to the Philippines and became ill uh, pretty much as soon as he arrived in the country. He was hospitalized and unfortunately passed away um, shortly after they identified that that's what he um, had that he was he had tested positive for the for the coronavirus so Again, it's still pretty isolated, and they've closed borders. Um, again, you know we have travel restrictions. The State Department here in the United States um, issued a warning um, to not have any um, non-essential travel to China or to the areas that are um, seeing a, a majority of the cases. So those travel restrictions are in an abundance of caution in order to really slow down the spread of the virus. Because as you said, uh, you know somebody could get on a plane today and be halfway across the world in a matter of hours. And, you know, anybody that they came in contact with, you know, they're, uh, uh, they're sneezing, coughing, you know, and, and a lot of times individuals aren't symptomatic and, and are still able to spread. So that's the thing that I think is also scaring people is that that 14 day incubation period, a big chunk of it, you're
1: asymptomatic and you're still able to spread the virus. Right, exactly, and and globally, like, um, what other countries or continents have been impacted? Is it is it is it everywhere, or just? So- So there's about 24
2: countries that have identified the virus um, in their country right now. Um, And the ones that have had the highest amount of cases are the ones that are closest to the epicenter, which is China. So 24 Mm -hmm. countries have had a confirmed case, at least one. Um, So China's had the most, followed by Thailand, Singapore, Japan, and then South Korea. So that's, you know, but we're talking over, you know, uh, Seventeen thousand cases in China down to the next highest, which is nineteen
1: <laughs> yeah
2: exactly so i mean in comparison or i excuse me um the next would be uh, Japan actually as of today i 'm looking at the dashboard right now, so china um, as of seven fifty a m um, on february fifth uh, it 's twenty four thousand four hundred and thirty three cases. Uh, In China and then Japan now has the second highest with 29 followed by Singapore with 28 Thailand 25 South Korea 18 So So they're still the still the same countries that they've just kind of shifted in and where they are as far as number of cases Mm -hmm. But still, you know, we're talking (laughs) 0.1% or less compared to China right and it's all in that same vicinity
1: yeah and 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 you know i'm so so glad you just read out those numbers because that's where the virus originated in Wuhan and there's the the greatest number right there, like concentrated in that area, and then you mentioned the next highest of Japan, which was minimal compared to that, so you know our listeners need to realize that while there's massive hype in the media and you know people should be aware when you look at the actual numbers we at the epicenter where it's concentrated, um, that's where, you know, the focus is with all these smaller amounts, like in the rest of the, the the world. So, you know, there's so much panic and so much misinformation. And you had mentioned earlier, like a lot of myths, um, you know, for our, our listeners. I mean, a lot of our listeners are pharmacists. I mean, what can we do as pharmacists and to allay the, the mass hysteria out there for this and, and help our patients and, you know, other, other people that come in contact with us and other healthcare providers to, um, you know, ensure their safety and let them, you know, allay a lot of these fears, like what are the symptoms and what can we do to help our patients and, you know, kind of dispel some of this mass hysteria that's going on.
2: Yeah, so I think first and foremost is being knowledgeable and staying up to date. I think that's the number one thing. So WHO and the CDC are both, uh, you know, putting out great information on an hourly basis, updating, you know, what's going on with the virus. I follow them on Twitter. I follow them on Instagram. um, I tag them in all my posts. uh, So, you know, they're really getting the information out to the public. So being knowledgeable about, you know, what's going on with the virus, uh, I think that's the first thing, right? So if people ask you questions, you can give them accurate information. But then the other thing, too, is just looking at this in comparison to something like influenza. So I just want to give you a, a couple of statistics. So uh, the CDC just recently posted some information about where we are as far as the preliminary flu burden estimate for this year's flu season. So between October 1st of 2019 to January 25th of 2020, there were 19 million illnesses, 8.6 million medical visits, 180,000 hospitalizations, and 10,000 deaths from influenza. So like, let's look at that in comparison to what we're seeing right now with coronavirus, which by all intents and purposes, we have definitely not seen the peak which is projected to be around April of, or May of this year. But just think about that for a minute. This is just a snapshot, just a few months of what we've seen with our current influenza season. And we, we haven't even, we haven't even reached the peak of influenza either. So just think about that in comparison. So what can people do to help per- prevent illness? They can get vaccinated for things that we know we have a vaccine for. So Uh, If you have respiratory problems, if you have cardiovascular problems, if you have things like diabetes, you should be up to date on your vaccinations, which includes both influenza and pneumococcal vaccine. So those are going to be ways that you can help protect yourself, um, even if you did come in contact with somebody who had the coronavirus, which again is extremely low, considering the fact that we've only had 11 confirmed cases in the United States. And then ultimately things like washing your hands frequently, washing down surfaces that are in high traffic areas are touched by lots of people because that's how this is uh, assumed to be spread. We're, we're not exactly sure, but what we think it's, it's from respiratory droplets. So someone sneezes, someone coughs, they touch their face, they touch their their eyes, they touch their mouth, and then they touch a surface. So if you're in a high, uh, high traffic area, like a pharmacy, making sure that you're constantly wiping down those surfaces with alcohol-based sanitation um, supplies, washing your hands frequently. If you don't have the ability to use soap and water, at least use alcohol-based hand sanitizers. And then also making sure that we're cooking um, our, our foods, any raw meats are being prepared properly. Because again, remember we said that this originated in a seafood market. So preparing and touching food may also be a potential risk for transmission. Um, staying away from people who are sick or ill. If you're sick or ill, staying home. You know, these are all normal preventative care measures that we would use for any other respiratory illness. We can use the same ones for the coronavirus. Oh,
1: you know, that's, that's excellent information. And you, you bring up like a, a really good point. Um, you know, even just with all the flu going on, I, I'm always asking myself, like, why are people going to work um, being around people when they are sick, why do companies not insist that people stay home when they 're sick? Because it just makes the rest of the employees sicker, not to mention the customers. I know like even at a lot of like gyms where like trainers are sick or clients are sick or hairdressing salons. I mean it 's unfair to everybody around either the client or 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 the employee to make people sicker. I know even for myself, when I'm sick or I feel like I have the flu or some um, illness like that, I, I just prefer to stay home. I don't want to be around my patients to make them sick and the other way around it as well. So uh, I think you bring up a, a great point that us as pharmacists can really encourage this um, to our patients and people need to practice just normal hand-washing, things like that, like constantly. Like if if we practice those things like constantly, then these things wouldn't even be issues to be like concerned about.
2: Yeah, and I did want to just touch um, briefly on uh, the wearing the mask. So I know that this Mm. is something that's like been a really hot topic. Um, I was on um, our local news station um, last week, talking about this. And that's the big thing right now. So like all of our medical supply stores uh, in Vegas are all sold out of surgical masks because there was the health department came out and said that there was a suspected case. Um, Although no, we know that that person is now negative. It really, uh, you know, brought up a lot of fear and anxiety within our community. And so a lot of people were, you know, going out and buying masks because they thought they needed a mask. So one thing um, I just wanted to say is, so the surgical mask for most people is not going to fit completely sealed right and so there's that's the one thing right so if you are truly going to wear a mask and it's going to be and it's going to work you need to be fit tested and it needs to be an N95 so for somebody who worked in tuberculosis management for years i got fit tested every year for a decade so having that mask on and making sure that it's properly fitted, that's really the only way that it's going to protect you from a respiratory illness. Not to mention that that surgical mask is only recommended for somebody who's sick. So that's that mask is only protecting other people from you, not you from other people. So that's a big misnomer that I want to make sure that people know about as well. So the surgical mask isn't really going to do much for you if you're well if you're sick, then yes, absolutely. I would highly recommend wearing it. Um, if you're going to be traveling, because um, again, even though these travel restrictions to Asia are in place right now, they're, they're most likely going to be temporary. So I don't want people to feel like they can't travel. They can't uh, you know, go to places. They can't visit family, friends. Um, that's not what WHO uh, wanted to happen when they made the declaration last week. They even made a big point of saying um, that even though we're making this public health emergency declaration, uh, that there's no restriction on traveler trade. So no issues with packages coming from China, no issues with, um, you know, people traveling that haven't been to the endemic area, you know, those kinds of things. So wearing a mask is not necessary, especially if you're currently living in the United States.
1: Excellent. Thank you. And thanks for clarifying those, those misnomers. Uh, I know that here in California, there's also been a a run on um, the masks and people are walking around with them. So, you know, for people to, to understand, um, you know, the myths and the reality is like really important to prevent, you know, that, that mass panic. Um, Before we end off, is there anything else um, that you want to add or let our listeners know? Yeah, just
2: one more thing. Um, So the WHO, which is a World Health Organization, they've done two things in the last couple of days that I think um, could be very useful to your listeners. So one is that they've created a dashboard that has where all the confirmed cases are uh, on a global map. So you can see the map and it has uh, little little dots on it and it shows you where people um, have had a confirmed case. It also lists all the countries. as well as um, how many people have died, and where there's airports where there have been restrictions in place as far as travelers or evaluation that's being done at those airports. And then also, they have a section um, under the novel coronavirus called Mythbusters, which is actually really cool. Uh, So if you go there, it actually has uh, a lot of these infographics that you can post to your social media that dispel a lot of those rumors that I said about earlier. So is, this, is it safe to receive a package or a letter from China? Yes. Can pets at home spread the new coronavirus? There is no evidence to that. Uh, is a vaccine like the pneumonia vaccine, can that protect you from coronavirus? Um, not necessarily, but any time that you get a vaccine that protects your respiratory health, that could help you um, if for some reason you do become exposed. So there's lots of different things on here, um, and they have really great little graphics that you can just uh, copy paste to your um, your phone you can post it to your social media um, because that's really the only way that we're going to help reduce some of these fears and some of the hysteria is that uh, you know qualified clinicians that have medical background are spreading accurate information to the public which is why um, I'm so
1: happy that you asked me to be on the podcast today. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I thank you for your time and, you know, for giving this great information. I'm going to put, um, the WHO dashboard, um, the MythBusters and everything on the show notes. So, um, everybody who's listening can access that and have it readily available, um, to all the listeners out there. Um, Dr. Madison has been, Putting out information all day, every day with these things. You, you can go to the publichealthpharmacist.com, um, follow her on Twitter at, and um, Instagram. Um, her, her Twitter handle is at Public health Rx. Um, You can follow the public health pharmacist on Instagram. It's really important that we, um, that we um, get all the right information so we can give this to our patients. So again, Dr. Madison, thank you so much for being on the show and to um, all our listeners out there, remember, be the change.
0: Thanks for listening to the Conscious Pharmacist Podcast. We hope you subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. If you miss something, you can listen again or just read the transcript of the show on our website at mishrxconsulting.com forward slash podcast. If you have a spare minute, don't forget to give us a review or a rating on iTunes. Remember to practice on purpose. You're a rockstar pharmacist and healthcare provider. And in the words of Mahatma Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. The Conscious Pharmacist Podcast is a production of MishRx Pharmacist Consulting Services, your HIV pharmacist and pharmacy experts.